What's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of Try Accept Pass, a short-form podcast to help you keep up with your favorite development topics and practices. This is your host, Christian Medina. One short announcement this week before we get started. PyCon 2020 is right around the corner, around April 15th. And this year, we're going to have a booth in the Expo Hall. So you'll be able to swing by. More details will come out soon on Twitter. But uh, you can come by, say hello, chat about what you like about the show or the website, and give us some feedback. Hope to see you there. Growing your career and becoming a better professional at software development or programming is more than just getting better at the specifics of a given language. It's not just about syntax or the quirks that make it work better or how best to implement a specific function. It's not about learning more algorithms or even more languages. As you become more senior in your role, You have to think about the development process itself. You have to learn about how to think, how to design and architect a product, and how all of that integrates with the rest of the organization with which you're working with, such that you can optimize for the goals of the organization instead of the goals of the given widget that you're trying to implement. Today's discussion is inspired by an article written by Lori Barth available on Dev.2 called How Architecture Improved My Coding Skills. Let's get to it. When shifting focus to architecture in your development career, you need to keep in mind that it's no longer about writing code that works, works efficiently, and doing it fast, but it's more about making sure that the task at hand is one that actually matches with the project's goals. You need to change your perspective beyond the ever-growing list of issues that you're being asked to implement into the bigger picture of what your product is and its customers or consumers. Ask questions like, will this piece of code help me achieve the larger goals or will it constrain them in such a way that will prevent me from implementing future ones. For example, you might make a technology choice that pigeonholes you into a given implementation that might make an upcoming feature request in the project impossible to fulfill. You can think about other things like, can I write the piece of code differently such that it adjusts to those constraints in a way that it adds even more value to the product. You need to consider the implications to documentation when you choose your implementations, as well as whether it's easy for some other developer to pick up where you left off. Because the truth is that in large projects, who gets assigned to work on what is actually quite fluid. And if you're in an iterative model, think about how to break down those tasks into smaller ones So you have time to test things out, manage risk, and increase confidence on the new changes that you're putting in place while minimizing the implications to the rest of the code base. Another category that our 
author brings up is that you need to pay attention to usability as well. How are your users going to interact with your product? You should prioritize their experience and make it consistent for the entire product, especially if you're writing software that provides integrations like REST APIs or libraries. As a consumer of those systems, I find it infuriating to have parameters named similarly across two different endpoints or functions, but do different things simply because two different developers put that together. You find this quite often, and in fact, even looking at some cloud services, for example, like AWS, you'll see that some sections of their website have a completely different GUI with different metaphors than different services in the same website. This is not only confusing for your users, but it makes them think that there wasn't a lot of thought put into the cohesive product as a whole. You also need to consider consistency for your developers. Use the same styling, use the same file naming conventions, implement functions that are refactored in a similar way across your code base. It makes it easier for other developers to come help you. Think about how organized and readable your code base is. Because as we've said in other episodes, writing code is like writing a novel. You'll write it once or twice, but you'll wind up reading it a lot more times. So the more readable it is, the easier it is to maintain. Avoid making opinionated choices so that you remain flexible in the future, not locked into a particular technology implementation. In fact, any time that you find that your next choice is going to be locking you into something, you should probably have a conversation with your team about it and its implications. Also, don't count on being able to refactor code later in the future. Sometimes it's cheaper to just do it up front. So it's one of, the, uh, one of the other things you need to consider. Another section is on getting better at prioritizing. As you think more about the product as a whole and you get an idea of the big picture, You should also work with your team, but not just the developers and quality assurance folks, but also your project managers, your product owners, even marketing and sales, if you have access to them, to try to understand what's the best strategy for delivering a task or a feature and how that compares to the rest of the features that they believe are important to deliver to your customers. Don't just take your assigned tickets at face value. Try to understand their purpose uh, in the overall product and the overall experience that you're presenting to the customer. Sometimes it's possible to prioritize a smaller feature with a slight tweak that greatly improves the speed at which you can deliver a larger feature coming down the pipe uh, a few months into the future. Also, sometimes you might even get a larger bang for your buck in doing something smaller because you can make the customer feel like they're being listened to and that you're consistently taking care of their experience and make it better over time. And sometimes it's better not to prioritize a given task at all. You may need more data to understand how to properly implement it or even how it's going to be used. If you don't know how your code will be used by your customers, then it's really hard to deliver a compelling product Also, don't forget to prioritize items in your backlog. You want to keep that as small as possible while still being able to deliver new features. Otherwise, it'll hurt 
your capabilities in the future. It'll make implementing new things harder, and it'll just keep snowballing. Once you start thinking about architecture, you also have to consider integration concerns across your code and the subsystems that you're using. You need to pay attention to how all of these talk to each other so that you can deliver a system that's uh, usable. Because even if you write perfect code that works well by itself, it's entirely possible for that to completely fail when it's trying to communicate with the rest of your code base. It may even be completely unusable due to some constraint that you assumed was okay to implement. Understand not just what makes your code complex and challenging or the integration points complex and challenging, but also the edge cases that can get it into trouble when other parts don't provide the correct parameters Plan your deployment strategy, how it will be distributed with the rest of the code base if it's something separate. Is the data format that you're using compatible and consistent with the rest of the system? Do you even need all the data that you're currently accessing or have access to obtaining? Another interesting point is to consider the timings of the workflow that you are contributing to. Sometimes in large systems, these integration points can add latency and complexity that weren't initially planned or maybe just grew over time, but it can get to the point where, where you're no longer meeting the expectation of your consumers in terms of timings or latency. Another point that Laurie brings up is the focus on security. There's usually some overall security plan in place for your product. Hopefully there is. If there isn't, that's definitely something you need to work on. Make sure you follow it. Think about what vulnerabilities your code is introducing, whether it's touching more data than it should. Does it enable a new attack vector? Too often these questions wind up being afterthoughts and you're too late into the development process to even fix it. And likely that means you'll have to devote a larger effort in the future to fix all the issues to provide a secure system to your users. Be especially wary when you're moving data between subsystems inside your product, because those are the usual points at which we have a larger amount of vulnerabilities. Communication is another point to keep in mind when you're looking at architecture. Lack of communication and coordination generate serious problems for your team in the development process in general. It's not just about paying attention to the specific tasks that you need to complete, but you also need to be able to explain what you're doing to the rest of the team. Keep folks up to date with your progress and the problems you'll find, and actively learn about the problems and solutions that everybody else is running into. It's quite common for you to be able to use someone else's solution in your code to make your life easier. And also, conversely, as you develop your code, other folks will ask questions that might help you go into a different direction that might integrate better with the general code base or make your life easier and faster, make your task faster to complete. Speak up when someone is changing things in a way that affects the architecture or the overall project goals. That is also your job, 
you need to pay attention to the process as a whole and what everybody else is doing as well as what you're tied into. Talk over your design considerations, even with coworkers that are not assigned to the same tasks that you are. I find this to be quite helpful. Just the act of trying to articulate what you're thinking will help you organize your thoughts better. And in that process, you'll find that even if you had zero input or feedback from your coworker, you'll have a better mental picture of how everything plugs together and you'll be way better prepared to actually implement the code that you're going to work on. All of the items we've discussed so far are skills that will help you grow into a more senior position in your career. Even if you don't have that role or are nowhere near to achieving it, simply operating at this level will just save you time in re-implementing code and will help you show more value to the rest of the team and your coworkers. Try to get involved in situations where you can at least learn about how all these different parts of your organizations currently work, or maybe even other senior leaders that can help you understand more about the project itself. Ask questions and understand how your product works, how it's architected, and you'll produce better, more quality code that's easier to maintain and even easier to test. Thanks for listening to Tricep Pass Podcast. If you liked it, please subscribe with your favorite app and leave us a review. Don't forget to visit tricepass.org for more articles on real-world software. You can sign up to our mailing list to keep up to date with the latest articles and episodes. If there's something you want us to cover, feel free to send us a tweet at Tricep Pass. This is Christian Medina wishing you good times and good tinkering.